Welcome to PeopleTech, the podcast of the HCM Technology Report. I'm Mark Pfeffer. This edition of PeopleTech is brought to you by ADP. Its next-gen HCM is designed for how teams work and helps you break down silos, improve engagement and performance, and create a culture of connectivity. Learn more at flowofwork.adp.com. Today, I'm speaking with John Marcantonio. Head of Platform Evangelism and Federated Development at ADP NextGen. We're going to talk about low-code development, where it's at, and what it could mean for HR and HR technology. Why is it that you and someone in your position, why do you care about low-code development? It's a great question. I find, um, you know, I really view low-code as kind of the, the next frontier of just software development. You know, actually, my earlier in my career and my education, I was a computer scientist and definitely thrust into more traditional software development low code as a way to really not only increase efficiency of development, but really broaden who can participate in that process and how, you know, great new ideas can get more rapidly developed and brought to market. How do you define low code development? What, what is it? It's really a development methodology where instead of, again, typing out uh, code line by line, it's more of a visual representation of the software development process. So instead of text, it's uh, visual blocks that represent app logic or data elements, things of that nature, where users can really string together and create applications for either mobile, web, whatever the target is, within that type of drag and drop paradigm. I, I've seen material talks about it being applied in a lot of places around the organization, but how in particular do you think it can be used by HR? So I think HR brings actually a rather unique position as far as low-code development. So I think of HR and the environment just taking a step back, right? They're oftentimes viewed as, you know, a cost center, um, obviously critical to the, the organization as far as managing people and talent. Um, but compared to, let's say, product development or sales and marketing, the more revenue-driven, you know, I think that, you know, oftentimes HR can sometimes struggle to really take ideas or initiatives they want to take as far as building new applications or integrating with systems or really delivering new ways of engaging with their user base because they're fighting it out with the rest of the organization, right, for resources or dollars or whatever it is. I think looking at low code, I think if we can broaden the base of who can modify or build applications, either as part of an organization or even HR themselves, I think it gives them a lot more control to not only consider these new ways of pushing forward people operations in a EHR function, but put that control in their hands, right? Really let them go to town and potentially build up the skills and capabilities to make those ideas realities and continue to iterate without a lot of the overhead that exists in many other functions today. Now, when you think about HR practitioners, you know, these are the people who, who still often rely on spreadsheets to do things. Do you think that HR practitioners are going to embrace this kind of thing or are companies going to have to kind of nudge them along to adopt it? I think there's going to be a little bit of both. I think there's certainly going to be a spectrum of individuals. Let's say you're right. Let's say individuals more comfortable with the spreadsheet, more traditional models may have a little more of a leap or may not be as comfortable with jumping into this type of technology or tool set. Um, but I think there's a lot of room, particularly for those up and coming or maybe individuals more of like a, a business analyst or kind of a broader background that are coming into HR organizations to embrace this type of, you know, this type of flexibility, the ability to create, again, applications or modify those things that can bring value to the organization. I also think, too, it gives some more options, again, to not, not only the practitioners themselves, but, you know, the broader organization to think about who they can bring on to help maybe augment that type of development. Um, mm -hmm. It could be the team. It could be, you know, a different class of, 
you know, consultancy or development shops that may not have the same overhead or cost structure as more, you know, heavy lifting, let's say CRM or big marketing tool sets, or rather costly external contractors that have a lot of expertise and knowledge. Potentially low code environment, you could have, let's say, a broader pool of individuals that may not have to be as deep or as technical who can still execute the same level of value within those systems. So I think the options definitely grow. The last point with regard to practitioners, I'd say there's, I'd like to see an interesting shift, not only in the what can be delivered, but I would hope also that it kind of broads the horizons of HR organizations to think not only in terms of just the regular people operations or HR functions, but if they had the option to extend applications or create applications that could augment or improve existing processes, that that becomes more their thought, their day-to-day thought process. Like if they can make it better, great, then let's think of those ideas, let's curate those, let's test them. And if they can do that quickly and somewhat easily, the idea is becomes a virtuous cycle where that's like agile development. Let's, let's put it out there. Let's test it. Let's see what our users say. Let's improve it and hopefully continue that from there. What do you think the state of play is today? Meaning are HR departments out there that you know of actually starting to do this? Are they starting to bring some of their tool development in-house with this kind of platform? I think they're, they're starting to. I think um, there's certainly been a lot of interest in even our own next-gen HCM platform as far as the, the possibilities of being able to modify and bring this type of rapid development iteration to market. You asked me that question six months ago, I'd have one answer. I mean, given the state of the world over the past few quarters with COVID and the rapid changes in work from home and you know, different employee policies that have come to light, I think a lot of organizations have realized that the ability to shift rapidly and to provide information that's very relevant now and really reach out to their employee base is, is an incredibly powerful thing. And if you look at more traditional, let's even development models, if one wanted to go off and build, let's say an employee outreach mobile app that talked about work from home and new policies and you know updates that are going on, I'm sure the dust will settle from COVID by the time some contracts could be wrapped up. And if you gave organizations the power to move very quickly and again, roll that out, make it tailored to them, I think that that's a very compelling opportunity to really move the needle for their organization, help them stay ahead of things. So I think, again, I think that mindset or those questions are starting to pop up more and more. And the past few months has really brought it to light in a way that I don't think many organizations have seen in the past. Now, one of the things that strikes me is the role of the HR practitioner has really been changing the last several years. They're having to work more with data. They're having to work more with mobile technology and, and actually all kinds of technology. It's become so integral to, to what HR does. So how does this kind of impact the overall role of HR, the HR practitioner? Is there a real redefinition of the role going on? I think there is. I think looking at the skill sets, and you're right, what the, what HR practitioners, organizations need to understand or be in tune with is definitely broadening. I think data was the first big step. We're looking at what's available in the organization, how do they leverage it to understand their talent base and where they need improvements or how to foster you know, top performers. It's certainly more data-driven that it's available and they can start to rationalize it. But then right, you take it one step further beyond, let's say, very traditional basic HCM systems. There's there's certainly a lot more that can be done, can be tailored to the organization. And I think those practitioners that are more in tune to what are those possibilities or how do you, like you said, leverage things like mobile technologies to really integrate to the workflow. I think, I think it begs of the HR community to really start asking or thinking about those questions a little more deeply and, and seeing where they can start to improve and differentiate in their own organizations, not only for efficiency, but just 
employee satisfaction, their efficacy, just how the overall, how they can react and continue to evolve within an ever-changing and increasingly changing landscape. One of the things that strikes me about HR is they're very concerned about how they're perceived by people outside of the HR function. If they begin to do more coding, you know, on top of understanding data more, do you think other parts of the organization will start to look on HR in a different way? I think they will. I think also it's um, it's a balance like any other organization. I think, again, a lot of peer groups in, in most companies, not only HR, again, uh, sales, marketing, other ops functions, I think it's a balance on what's the core value add versus, like you said, what's development, for example. And obviously, I don't think any org wants to over-index with an HR team that's just building software all day, even if it's done in the low-code environment. Um, but again, I think it gives them a little more insight and flexibility in how to operate. And I think every organization will face this mix in the future of what do they tool up or do in-house, what capabilities or, or expertise they want their organization to manage, versus maybe just making it easier to bring in resources to augment their staff or to even take on these projects on their own in a way that's not, again, massive or, or a big budget lift or involve a lot of overhead that you see in other projects. And I think you're right, that's going to have a trickle-down effect. And then as practitioners and HR orgs get more savvy, not only in data, but in the underlying technology and what's available with I think it puts them in a better position even to understand how does the whole ecosystem come together, right? How do all the moving parts come? And as, as individuals are discussing, again, big projects or integrations or building out new initiatives, um, I think it gives them more, not only perspective, but I think also credibility at that table you described. It, it seems like over the last few years, HR has been working pretty hard to develop a good relationship with IT, especially as HR technology becomes more sophisticated and, and you know, more grounded in the company. How will low-code development, do you think, impact the relationship between IT and HR? I think it's going to get deeper. Um, and I think there's two sides of the story, right? On the one hand, I think there'll be a continued partnership, right? As far as just the nuts and bolts of what IT would need to do to support, let's say, a low-code environment, right? There's user management and security provisioning, and just like any other system to ensure that they get up and running and it's maintained from a let's say, network infrastructure perspective, things of that nature. Um, and I think that's, you know, gives IT something else to get their skill set on, work with, gives HR a little more visibility to how they operate and what's needed there. The flip side that I can see as well is, and this is something that all orgs are, I think, going through as they evolve through this process, the more kind of control or flexibility you give to any team, but let's say HR in this case, in a low-code environment, they're building or modifying applications, particularly ones that may integrate with other systems within the company, you know, begs the questions of, well, where's the checks and balances and how do we ensure that everything is at a proper quality level and that, you know, whatever's being rolled out works consistently. And if something goes wrong, you know, who's the one on the other side of the phone to get that, that question? So I think as much as there'll be excitement and another like area of skill set and onboarding for IT to handle, I think there's that flip side of just another area of management, if you will, um, that will need to get sorted out in, in a very different way, right? Because again, a lot of the not only the development process, but you think about all the operational components, right? How do these apps get tested? How do they get deployed? Where do they get deployed to? And are there different um, integration or, or policy considerations to go along with it? Um, these are things that I think every company is certainly need to revisit and understand. Like, does that follow the current book? Is there new rules they have to adhere to? And then they'll make that call from there. But overall, I think there'll be a, a tighter relationship as more of this comes into focus. Do you think that HR is positioned to be a first mover with this within the, within the organization. When data started to rise, 
I think a lot of HR departments found themselves unexpectedly being some, some of the first users of different types mm-hmm. of analytics. I'm wondering if you think the same kind of thing might happen here, or do you think they might follow? I think it will depend on the organization, but I think in many cases, they, they do have the opportunity to lead, um, mostly because many of the orgs in the company, from, again, from product development or the other operational groups, they have an established process, right? They have either internal resources they're leveraging, they have contractor bases, they have a rhythm of what they're building and maintaining. The machine is up and running, if you will. I mean, in, in HR's case, they're always, let's say, potentially fighting for resources, or it's much more difficult to get projects staffed and built out. If this gives them an opportunity to do that, um, either with their resources or, again, a much more streamlined external set of resources, they t- again, they take a little more control for themselves. And I think that control will start to lead to some experimentation. And um, that experimentation will lead to results that can be evaluated and iterated on. I don't expect every org is just going to jump in with both feet and say, okay, every, every HR member is now a developer, go modify everything under the sun. But I think as these tools become available and the opportunity comes up, again, I think there'll be room for experimentation and hopefully too, I think, allow these teams to kind of wade into the waters a little bit, right? Say, okay, what if we built this one little widget? Like the COVID scenario is a great example again. Like what if we just built a little app that allowed us to, hey, talk about work from home policies and link out to what we need. Great. Build it, push it out, see what happens. It doesn't have to be a monumental undertaking, but with relatively low cost and risk, really standalone kind of isolated applications could be built, give the team some experience and confidence and use that as a litmus test for the next. So if we live up to the promise of low code, let's say citizen developer, relatively low barrier to entry and development, um, I think it, it gives the opportunity for those HRs teams to jump in potentially ahead of the curve. And then if all goes well, I can very much see them as well being kind of um, the beacon for other teams in the organization to see what was their experience and were they successful? And is this something that they may want to pursue or start migrating from other, let's say, development practices or systems that are established? That was John Marcantonio, Head of Platform Evangelism and Federated Development at ADP NextGen. And this has been PeopleTech from the HCM Technology Report. This edition was sponsored by ADP, NextGen HCM, designed for how teams work. Learn more at flowofwork.com. Dot adp.com. And to keep up with HR technology, visit the HCM Technology Report every day. We're the most trusted source of news in the HR tech industry. Find us at www.hcmtechnologyreport.com. I'm Mark Pfeffer. Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. We out. Welcome to Don't Retire, Graduate, the podcast that asks you what you want to be when you grow up so you can graduate into retirement with a purpose and a passion, whether you're 25, 85, or any age in between. Gain actionable financial and mindset tips from your favorite authors, podcasters, and influencers to help you reach that exciting next chapter. Listen now and start building your path to financial freedom and reframing what retirement can mean to you. This is your host, Eric Brotman, reminding you, don't retire, graduate.